it was just definitely one of those things where I immediately was like, this is going to be taken by people on the right. And if we could just get to a point where everybody was a they, and then you could just express yourself however the fuck you wanted without needing Thank a you. specific pronoun, we would all be happier. Or like, I'm I'm spending all of my time and effort worrying about what you're doing. I'm right. like, you know what? No. There's there's not enough time. How about you just don't we reference don't me as anything? Time. Yeah, do not perceive based on my, me. My, based on my perceived genitals. <laughs> I am, refer to me as void. <laughs> refer to me as Kendall, okay? <laughs> like, get out. Yes, just like get out. Just Have like you watched Get Out, get out yet? <laughs> We'll anyway, get so uh, we'll get in, we'll get out, we'll get there. Yeah. So how are you? <laughs> <laughs> don't. I don't have it time. has been quite a while, mm-hmm. my friend, since our last recording. I don't know how long. I'm gonna say two weeks. Sounds about right. Um, I was when I was editing our last episode, and we were making so many jokes about vitamin C. I know. I heard that too. Uh, well, I the thing is, I think I did it last time too, and then. Uh, what episode was it? What was <laughs> anyone know our own show? There was what... what happens when we record out of sync. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there was an. I think. Oh no, I think it was like probably when I saw Vivian or something. I don't know. I don't remember, but I remember like doing something the day of on a Friday, and then coming to see you and being like, you know, like my voice is really like scratchy because I was doing something or other. Yeah, but I was just yes. like, I got the um, orange juice and vitamin C, and I'm listening to it like, <laughs> shut up, dude! <laughs> like you fucking weak ass immune system bitch. <laughs> I was so upset with myself. <laughs> I was like, oh, that didn't age well. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, but I'm I'm glad to see you've survived. Thank you. You've survived it, the great COVID scare of it 2022. Took me what uh, yeah I, three it years was, it was my first time getting it two, two and a half years um you did pretty I good lost my voice especially for somebody who works <laughs> in the medical field like to go that long without any of those people oh, coughing yeah. on you good oh, job yeah i mean to be fair they're all back there in the gym and i'm in the front so that's fair i'm still pretty sure you got it from k-pop so i mean no, another strike against them <laughs> they, they didn't jump off the stage come up and cough in my face their fans did no, clearly. no, I was I was very dumb. I should have worn my mask. Uh, but uh, it was so nice to we see. We all want to live in that post uh, that post COVID world. We're just not ready to. I know to um, live with it, consequences. It really put me back. Yeah. To being like, you know what? I will. Because, you know, I, I was getting a little too comfortable. I, I was. Think. Yeah, I was like at first I was feeling like guilty, like when I was isolating and stuff, because we had just seen each other when, you know, when we were recording. Yeah. But I was just like, no, I'm not going to feel guilty about keeping people safe. Yeah. You know, I got a lot of good, like, you know, Angie was, you know, very understanding. So was, you know, other people. And I was just like, hey, I while I'm still coherent, I'm grateful. And then I was like dying for two days and, uh, you know, finally have my voice and everything else back. Today, uh, as is our our finale, finale season Today finale is the finale. We did it. We got to ten episodes, so we are ending out the summer, uh, talking about everyone's favorite summer activity: camping. Camping. Everyone Cabin-ing. does it. You, you and I, cabins. Cabins vibes. Um, until somebody gets murdered. Yes. So it is a true crime episode. 
Um, let's go ahead, get these fans going for a couple minutes. Okay, and my, then... my, <laughs> my leg armpit is sweating. What is this called? I don't think it has a name. I think that's like a big running gag in the medical field. They just refuse to name it. The leg armpit. The leg pit. Leg pit. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get this over with. Let's get to it. Tell me your tale. Quick uh, quick note. Yes. On um, my story today, it is an edited down version mm-hmm. from what I originally had because it's already far longer than any other story that I have given on this podcast so far. Ooh. Um, so with that in mind, I would not be surprised if... Uh, you guys went and followed our YouTube channel, A Killing Jar, and maybe in a couple of weeks you might find out a little bit more about this tale. Oh, very nice. Um, there's that fly. Found him. Oh, okay, the one I almost ate. Yes, he's our one and only fan of A Killing Jar. <laughs> he's like, woo! He's a masochist. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't want to accidentally swallow him. It's the first time you've said that. I might get up and hit you. <laughs> <laughs> Today I'm talking about the mm-hmm. Girl Scout murders at Camp Scott. How much history do you have with this story? I actually, bit. well, I know probably more about this than anything else you've told me. Yeah. Um. So I'm excited to. This is definitely one that's been covered in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And it recently had like a whole like ABC News Hulu yeah. thing. So it's definitely like. I mean, it's been on like my favorite murder. It's yeah, it's definitely been the story that's the most like widely publicized that I've done so far. Well, it's very horrifying. So that's what caught my attention. What's interesting to me, especially leading into like as a summer story, Mm -hmm. it feels so much like like a like an something you would like a, a urban tale that you would tell. Yeah, like be around careful the campfire, like because you've heard of the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Right. But the fact that it's all real is I is said murders, murders. Um, I did briefly mention this in the they them review that I that was our first video mm-hmm. on a killing jar on YouTube. A killing jar. So really, just connections everywhere. Okay, um, we're really into cabins and camping. Clearly, yeah. Um. So with that, let's just get into it. Our story begins in April 1977 when the camp counselors of Camp Scott gathered for a training session. Camp Scott had been established for 49 years with enough acreage to host up to 140 campers and staff. Camp Scott is situated in Mays County, Oklahoma, near Locust Grove. The area was well known for its luscious green forest cover and natural caves scattered throughout the campsite. During their initial stay, one of the counselors, Michelle Hoffman, returned to her tent to find her belongings had been rummaged through. Strangely enough, nothing seemed to be missing aside from the contents of a box of donuts, which had been replaced by several sheets of horrifying notes ripped from a notebook with several sheets reportedly mentioning aliens and the word kill written repeatedly. I didn't know about the aliens part. I I, I remember there being like threat, threatening notes. Scrawled across one of those notes in capital letters were the words, we are on a mission to kill three girls in tent one. 
When Hoffman reported the note to the camp director, she was told it was a prank and the note was discarded. Um, I mean, ghosts and slasher stories, they're pretty common to campsites. I feel like it's, I don't blame this director for being like, this is the thing, because this is something you would get at any campsite ever. Okay, yes. And also, like, I I am immediately, you know, very judgy. Yeah. Just because it's like, you are in charge of children. Yeah. But also, you know, or in the 70s, it's it wasn't... There, 70s, more lax. Yeah. But you also, weren't afraid of, of these things. None of the counselors, or none of the kids were there yet. It's just the counselors. Yeah. Like, interestingly enough... um, Hoffman did later learn that a group of girls had confessed to the incident. Oh. And this is something I have not seen ever talked about. No. On any of the quick things. It, yeah. I had to like deep dive in order to find that. Wow. Um, less than two months later, the local Oklahoma Girl Scouts assembled at Cookie Trail, the main road into Camp Scott. No, Cookie. To begin their first day at camp. I was being very dramatic. I said their stay would not last long. You were in the mood. I really was. I'm so <laughs> I sorry. Like no, I love it. That evening, the girls were separated into groups of four with three girls left over to tent together in tent seven. Laura Lee Farmer, Doris Denise Milner, and Michelle Heather Gousset. The girls camp. The girls. How do you. The girls is camp their <laughs> camp wait is that what you wrote or is that i put you know s apostrophe oh. i i wrote it correctly but oh the girl like how do you pronounce it that's so <laughs> the girls the girls <laughs> yes material girls this is very serious podcast. i'm so sorry <laughs> the girls camp was the furthest camp from the counselors at nearly mm, 90 yards that's right with the tent obscured by the building containing the showers around 7 p.m a thunderstorm began to roll in forcing the campers to hunker down in their tents on the first night of camp with nothing else to do the girls began to write letters to their families detailing their first evening at camp Lori and michelle were both very excited with Lori writing to her family about her two new friends wait they they found letters yeah, there were letters oh to their God, family. Oh my God, I never knew there was letters. Yeah, it's really sad. Oh, it hurts. It's about to get sadder. <laughs> Doris, however, wrote to her mother that she did not want to spend another two weeks at Camp Scott and was already ready to return home. Oh, she hated them? I mean, uh, Fight. I am always like the person of color in the tent having a completely different experience from the two uh, white girls in the tent. Uh, Who knows? You know, I, I believe it. Doris. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Sad. In the middle of the night, Counselor Carla Wilhite was startled by a low humming noise coming from outside the counselor's tent, described as something between a foghorn and a bullfrog. Uh, and it was low and drawn out. Grabbing a flashlight, she went out into the dark to investigate. She began to walk down the path toward the showers and search for the noise as it grew louder. But as she got closer, the sound stopped as her flashlight bobbed between the trees. Carla soon returned to her tent and could still hear the noise as she drifted back to sleep. Around 6 a.m., Carla awoke again and headed to the showers. As she walked to the main part of the camp, she spotted a pile of sleeping bags at the base of a tree. As she approached, she saw that beside the pile laid one of the campers. <gasps> Carla got closer and soon realized to her horror that the girl was dead. The counselors immediately began to assemble the campers, but as the counselor assigned to gather the trio at tent seven entered, she found that the tent was empty. 
Law enforcement began to arrive by 7.30, and the girl beside the sleeping bags was soon identified as Doris Milner. And bound under the sleeping bags, the officers found the bodies of Lori Farmer and Michelle Gousset. Initial reporting stated that all three of the girls had been raped, bludgeoned, and strangled, with later reporting stating that Farmer and Gousset were beaten and strangled in the tent, while Doris was dragged away and assaulted. So it's kind of hard to know for sure what happened to each of the girls, but I feel like that's one of the things that we don't need to know what happened to each of the girls. So They, um, they were all found in one place eventually, or mm-hmm. was Doris yeah. was the one? So Doris, for some reason, was separate from the pile of sleeping bags. So I don't know if that's where they left her or if maybe oh. maybe she crawled out. Crawled out. Oh. Oh, I don't know. It hurts. But the other okay. two were found under the sleeping bags like, in a pile. OK. Um, and they were still like completely bound and everything. So it's very clear that Doris was separated and okay. had a different experience than the other two did. Um, but to know really what happened to everyone, it's like, who knows? OK. By 10 a.m., the camp was evacuated by bus and returned to Tulsa to meet their families, with the other campers unsure of what was happening, having only spent one night in the camp. Uh, Camp Scott never reopened. The next day, the wooden floor platform of the girls' tent was airlifted to a crime lab, and researchers found evidence that the platform had attempted to be cleaned in the night with towels and mattresses, Um, and they were able to find a size 9.5 shoe print in the blood. Empty beer bottles were also found near the camp, and a large red flashlight had been placed on top of the bodies, tightly wound with a trash bag that had had a hole cut into it to lessen the amount of light that it let out. Oh, okay. Investigators found and dusted a fingerprint off of the flashlight, but a match was never found. Inside, newspapers from April were found lodged inside the battery compartment, believed to have been placed to dampen the sound of the battery as it moved around inside. And what I find interesting is that the newspapers from April, which is when the counselors had all gotten together for their training session. Oh, where the donut thing was found? Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh. Very interesting. Just coincidentally. Yeah. Happened to be from that time period. Okay. Um, On the 16th, tracking dogs found a crowbar believed to be the primary weapon and a cave was quickly located that appeared lived in. Sorry, um, autocorrected tangent to located that paper lived in. <laughs> and I was so confused. No. <laughs> it papered lived in. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> paper lived in. Uh, I said what I said. Paper said lived what I said, in. Deal with it. The <laughs> okay. cave contained a pair of glasses that had been stolen from Camp Scott. And I still haven't been able to figure out who it was stolen from. Um, they just know it was stolen? Yeah, they know that it was supposed to be a Camp Scott for whatever reason wasn't. I don't know if it was a counselor or a camper or what. Okay. Duct tape was also found that matched that found at the scene and a flashlight battery, as well as a photo of uh, three photos of three women. A photo each of three women. Um, uh, Scrawled across the cave the- wall were also the words 77617. Uh, the killer was here. Bye bye, fools. It sounds like a, a horror video game. You're trying to find out who did what, who done it. Literally, like so much of this story feels like something, like someone cheesy made up. It's very like, what's like that in a game? Like, Until if, dawn. If it was a movie, I would be like, this movie is great. It's yeah. so campy. Yeah. Ah. We're in the zone. There have been several suspects in the months following the Camp Scott murders. 
most of whom were suspicious men living in their cars or who lived nearby. Um, but the most prominent suspect and the only one to go to court was Jean Le- Leroy Hart. Mm, I remember. I heard of him. Who reportedly had been pointed to by investigators almost immediately due to similarities in the way that the girls were tied and taped down okay. to past crimes that he had been committed for. Ugh. Hart had escaped Mayes County Jail in 1973, so several years before, after he was convinced, nope, after he was convicted of kidnapping and raping two pregnant women from a nightclub parking lot, uh, as well as four counts of burglary. Wait, I do remember that. Okay, okay. And since his escape, he had been on the run ever since. Like, nobody knew where he was. Um, it is interesting to me with some of the stuff that comes on later that he was so immediately thought of when it had been years since anyone had like seen him. Um, and the fact that he was still living nearby, like if I'm on the run, like I'm going to like Canada, no Canada extradites. I'm going what? to Mexico and I'll, I'll I don't cry know. The whole time. It, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to mention it or not. And maybe I remembered it wrong, but was he native American? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I remember that being like some that had some stuff to do. Uh, yeah, made some some stuff funny. Okay? There is definitely a lot around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to one source that I found, the cave that investigators had found was reportedly only a few hundred feet from Hart's childhood home. So he would have known where it was if he's like any child going out into the woods behind yeah. their house just for funsies. Um, and the photos of the women were also purported to be women that Hart knew. Hart had grown up about a mile from Camp Scott. So that gives us an idea of how far away this cave was from the camp. It's his cave. It's his cave. And it's only a mile away. Okay. Um, and he knew many people in the area, including growing up among the local Cherokee. And many people who knew him stood by him as he was tried for the murder of the Girl Scouts. While the sheriff mentioned that Hart was, quote, 1,000% guilty, some of Hart's friends and family stated that evidence found against him were planted, assumingly by police. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of people kind of behind him on this. Um, Hart denied having a role in the death of the girls, and an American Indian movement spokesperson stated on his behalf that he would continue fleeing because if he were to surrender, the hell would be shot out of him. Mm. Which is a pretty intense phrase. Well, and the um, the thing I remember and also remember thinking is like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on the local law enforcement because of the tra- of it being such a tragedy with being right. the death of little girls. Yeah. That it's like, OK, this guy is matching up to everything. Yeah. You know, even if we're like it, it's very circumstantial. I think that's Definitely. the word. And, you know, I can see them just like running straight toward that because it's like, that's the only thing that makes sense. We need some type of closure for people. Fuck everything else. Basically. So I'm sure they were ready to like probably literally hang him for this. Exactly. Just to have uh, um, a case closed. Right. He was later arrested and deemed fit to stand trial, Mm -hmm. um, but he was eventually acquitted by the jury. Um, and a lot of people had concerns with the fact that they were holding the trial in Mayes County, considering how well connected he was to people who lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, basically being like, if it had been anywhere else, he mm-hmm. probably would have been convicted of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but since he had escaped from jail um, and was still, you know, a convicted criminal for other crimes, 
he did return to serve uh, a 308 year sentence for his previous crimes. Um, but he collapsed and died of a heart attack in the prison yard three months after returning to jail. Just uh, pretty wild. Wow. And when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, did somebody did he get got? I mean, I, you know, I'm we probably both hear it all the time, but it's like child killers probably don't have a lot of fans. In I've jail. watched Oz. <laughs> you have a lot, <laughs> a lot, like an obsessive amount. Yes. I know how this goes. Uh huh. I'm basically a criminal now. <laughs> spent a lot of time in that jail. I'm a criminal by association. <laughs> <laughs> the case remains legally unsolved, mm-hmm. but many are sure of Hart's involvement. In 1989, DNA testing found three of the five samples from the crime scene were matches for Hart, though one in roughly 7,000 Native Americans would have likely obtained the same results. Mm-hmm. And this year, in May 2022, um, continued testing has ruled out any potential suspect brought forth except for one suggesting that Hart was indeed involved in the murder of the girls, though some still believe he had accomplices or posit other like conspiracies. Yeah. I have seen some pretty fucked up stuff of people being like, oh, well, clearly he's a skinwalker. I'm like, can you get your Native American oh, straight? Oh, my God. Like, y'all are offensive as fuck. Okay, but I remember thinking, too, like, I'm sure he probably had accomplices. Yeah. At I least mean, one, because I. How like, do you kill two girls in a in a tent and drag another one away? Well, I'm like you're you're tying them all up, you're hurting right. them, you're doing all this. It's you know I guess I probably wouldn't be uh, too hard to cover up because of the storm, um, but like that seems like a very hard situation to contain if you're trying to do all that yourself exactly and especially what you uh, let's assume it was him if he was drinking because of those bottles like you know if you're intoxicated you're trying to do all that yeah i don't know um in addition to that the fingerprint on the lens of the flashlight was never identified they obviously have his fingerprints so i feel like they'd be able to match it up yeah why wouldn't you want to call that up as being like hey the most damning evidence I have um, mm-hmm. that I've se- or that I've seen um, that he was a, at least had accomplices mm-hmm. is that his shoe size did not match the shoe print that was found inside the tent. He was not a nine and a half shoe that was found in the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a second shoe print that was found outside in the dirt. Yeah. But that could have very easily been one of the camp counselors. Yeah. Or literally any of the police that were walking around or yeah. the crime scene photo people like there's so many people the outside one could have been in. But somebody had to have a nine and a half shoe while the blood was still liquid. Mm-hmm. So if he's not an if he has a much bigger shoe size than that, how do you explain that away? Well, do you think what his uh, his shoe size was bigger? Mm-hmm. OK, I say, do you think like. If you were, you know, you'd already been convicted of crimes, you'd been through that system, you are a criminal at this point. Like, would you think to not wear the right shoe size or something just to throw people off? Would you think of that? I I think there are people who would think of that. I could see Ted Bundy thinking of that. Okay. yeah. Can I see just like anyone thinking of that? I don't know. 
I don't think okay. most people are, are smart enough. For I would that. say, well, you know, may, I was well, just thinking, enough, like, may, maybe he had some type of, uh, you know, knowledge now that he had been right. in jail and, and been. Well, into like. Well, because it's definitely this doesn't seem like someone's first crime. Exactly. Because it, it's so yeah. violent. It's so violent and it's so preposterous. Yeah. Like just the. The like it literally does sound like something that somebody would make up. Yeah. Like like what's the most horrible thing you can think yeah. of? Boom. That killing a bunch of Girl Scouts. Yeah. Like a Girl Scouts. Like <sighs> it's fucked up. And some of the other rabbit holes that were it was just too much to go into on the mm-hmm. podcast right now. I mean, the aftermath, the way the different families were affected, mm-hmm. the way the the people in charge of the Oklahoma Girl Scouts were affected. I mean, mm-hmm. there were people getting death threats like. Yeah, there is aftermath stories around the camp that don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like things that like so many different different avenues. So, yeah. Keep an eye out. Mm-hmm. Not to be like that person who's like, oh, if you thought this was good, just wait. But but yeah, <laughs> no, it does I get think better. it's good. Or not um, better, but. You know, like. Like I said, I, I know of this, yeah. but, you know, you told me things I didn't know. Yeah. I think that's, you know. Just wow. I just remember being like so fucking sad. It's really sad. Uh, it's pretty fucked up. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, let's good. let's take a little breather. <laughs> okay. I need to stand up. Ah, right. Leg. A little stretch. Get this fan going. Ugh, please fan me. We're back. Here we are. Hello. I am me. I am also me. <laughs> we are both me. Now my. My cabin horror story begins. I am the complete opposite. I have absolutely no idea anything about your story. So um, I will be talking about the Ketty cabin murders. She's 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 a she's Ketty. Ketty. I know the 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 name Ketty sounds like kind of like a cute name. (laughs) Too bad. Ketty. I know. Gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna assume this is not a story. Named of, their child after <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, I don't know about that one specifically, uh, but I'm sure there are people who have like named their kids after serial killers. Oh no, that's definitely happened. Of course, because people. <laughs> you remember when we, uh, you know, when we did the uh, when you did the the Armin story, the cannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, you love that. I really, I just can't, I just, it's still stuck. It, yeah. Um, it's just the <laughs> fact that it was consensual. I'm like, you know. <laughs> You're very like, man like his that. penis. <laughs> You're like directly to the penis. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't, it didn't ever occur to me. I'm like, why did he want to eat? Gaze. After everything else on the body. What can you say? Anyway, anyway. the point is, um, <laughs> I really, that was like the one week where I really tried to like do like a little Instagram moment that in the week after. And it's just so much extra work. But <laughs> one of the few comments we've gotten so far on our Instagram was literally mm-hmm. for, because I hashtagged Armin mm-hmm. and some like serial killer collector, like the commented on being like, Oh, I love the story or whatever. And I was like, good wow. for you, bro. But yeah, like he like collected like 
locks of hair or whatever <gasps> from like serial killers. I've I've so seen there's stuff like people that. out there who will do all sorts of stuff. I can totally imagine somebody naming their kid mm-hmm. like uh, I don't know Theodore. Theodore. <laughs> I kept on thinking that too. I was like, <laughs> name him. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so um, tell me about Keddy. So um, it's in uh, Keddy, California. Oh, we're in California. I thought it was the name of the family. Uh, no, it's the name of the area. The more you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Keddy, California um, cabin 28 in the Keddy Resort. Oh, cabin mm-hmm. 28. I know. Cabin 20. I don't know. 28 seems like such an evil number. <laughs> and mine was cabin seven. Oh, shit. They have nothing to do with it. <laughs> it also wasn't a cabin. You're it was like, a tent. That's a number. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yours was cabin 28 and mine was tent 7. There are numbers. Ah! (laughs) All right. So. So sorry, I'm a distraction. Poor sweet little Sheila, 14 years old, was staying at a friend's house on the night of April 11th, 1981. So. Sheila? Sheila. Ah, Sheila. Sheila. (laughs) The next morning around 7 a.m. when she returned to uh, the cabin... Uh, she discovered uh, her slain family, uh, the bodies of Sue, the mom, her brother, John, and John's friend, Dana, were found in the cabin bound with medical tape and electrical cord. Well, that's very depressing. Mm, very. Um, the prevalence of blood suggested to investigators that the victims have been moved and rearranged from the positions they were originally murdered in. Like dolls? Kind of. It seemed a little like uh, set up up. from what I read. Yeah. Like to purposefully be upsetting. I read in like a couple different uh, articles. uh, John, the son, um, he was lying face up or down. I said either. One said face up, one said face down. John was laying face up or down. Who knows? uh, With blood covered hands bound with the medical tape. Uh, Dana was on his stomach um, with a badly damaged head resting partially on a sofa pillow. His ankles were tied with the electrical cord um, linking him to John's. So their ankles were tied together. Sue's body had been found naked from the waist down and she had been gagged with a bandana and her panties in her mouth and also uh, secured with medical tape. Um, There were defensive injuries on her arms. Mm -hmm. All three victims sustained blows to the head from hammers um, and stabbed repeatedly. Um, Sue and her son's throat uh, were also cut, uh, but Dana suffered multiple head injuries and he was manually um, strangled. So visuals up the wazoo. We got some three... Very damaged bodies. A woman and her boyfriend in the cabin next door awoke around 1.30 a.m. to what they describe were muffled screams. Sue's two younger sons, Rick, and who was 10, and Greg, who was 5, um, as well as uh, a friend, Justin Smart, uh, were in the house, but they were unharmed. They were in, I think, Rick's room, I believe. It wasn't brought to anyone's attention until later, but the Tina, who was 12, was missing from the house. Oh, yikes. She was didn't even notice. Yeah, like it took like a few hours for them to notice that Tina was missing. 
initial reports had stated that the three uh, young boys had slept through the night, um, but this was later contradicted by uh, Justin's claims. First, he said that he had a dream that like he heard some uh, like some, uh, you know, noises about about the murder, but had had thought it was just a dream. But later, apparently under hypnosis, he saw a woman, Sue, uh, arguing with two men, uh, John and Dana were arguing back and Tina had been taken out the back of the cabin by one of the men. Apparently there were two men. Well, this was a, a memory that surfaced under hypnosis. So what I, what I read and also what I think is like, you know, it was a, a trauma, mm. you know, that he had seen what yeah. had happened um, and had blocked it out or thought it was just like a dream. Um, but, you know, with therapy and I guess the hypnosis, he had seen a lot more and then realized it was all, you know, what? Real. Yeah. The murder. So based on his uh, testimony, composite sketches were produced by a random volunteer uh, of the police station with no artistic ability or training in forensic sketching. Me. And it is not explained why. <laughs> Me? <laughs> It was just like a stick figure. This man. Tina's remains were later discovered on April 22nd of 1984. So years later, her remains were discovered um, by a bottle collector. A portion of the cranium and mandible um, about 100 miles from Ketty in Butte County in Feather Falls. So 100 miles away. So later a call to the Butte County Police anonymously what I put intensifying anonymously anonymously intensifying, intensifying. no anonymously <laughs> what word was I trying to put there <laughs> honestly I hate when I'm just sitting there and I just like anonymously intensify intensify <laughs> identify uh, i think that's what i was trying to put anonymously, anonymously identify, identify the remains as tina's but Are the you? call was later uh oh, okay. the yes. call had been dismissed so you know we can assume so this is a story of police incompetence is what i'm oh, just definitely. in general oh yeah i'll i'll get into that um so we we can assume that the caller was the murderer uh, because they had not been publicly, uh, you know, stated that her remains had been found, anything yeah. like that. It was literally like, like this bottle collector came in. Yeah, exactly. And also the fact that well, like says teen on her skull. he's like hanging out enough to notice that somebody's found the body. Exactly. Who told? Like if I'm just like, you know, if you were just like leaving a body somewhere and you just kept on moving, you mm -hmm. wouldn't know that it was. Well, and, and why would you call to identify it? Right. So he's got to live nearby. Yeah. In order to notice that the like body's you, been found. You obviously have a connection to this. Yeah. You are sus as fuck. Sus AF. So the call had been later dismissed, but later resurfaced in 2013 um, by Mike Gamberg. He was a former deputy that ended up um, being a special investigator and in, in taking over this case to like re-interview and stuff like that so the lead suspects for this case are martin smart and his friend john 
Boobede. Boobede? Boobede. Boobede. B-O-U-B-E-D-E. Boobede. So Martin and John. So if the last name of Smart sounds familiar, because the little boy, Justin Smart, that was his dad. Oh. So the... I wasn't smart enough to pick up on that. The um, the theory is one of the major primary reasons that Martin was suspected and not, was because uh, Justin, who was the child in the other rooms on the night of the murder, you know, him and the two other sons were unharmed because the dad was the one doing the murdering. Also, a letter from Smart to his wife. <laughs> what is this? I put he letter. <laughs> he letter what? <laughs> L E T T E R. You let her letter? English is hard. <laughs> um, so Smart wrote a letter to his wife, Marilyn, on flowery yellow stationery. Oh. Uh, was written weeks after the murder. But by this point, Smart and Boobidi had been interviewed and allowed to leave Fulmouth County and were in Oregon, according to Gamberg. So they had been picked up earlier. Because of Justin Smart. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they had already been interviewed. The love letter was um, Smart begging and demanding his wife to come back to him. A part of the letter states, I've paid the price for your love. And now I've bought it with four people's lives. You tell me we are through. Great. What else do you want? Honestly, <laughs> I get it. If only she'd been less demanding. How how dare she? <laughs> um, Marilyn Smart reportedly moved out of cabin 26 on April 12th, the same day as the murders were discovered. Gamberg knew exactly where she went and why. And it was no surprise. She was angry that her husband had been having an affair, but she too uh, was allegedly seeing someone. And it's also alleged that he was having the affair with Sue, the mom. Why can't y'all just be open? Like if you both want to be swingers, yeah, just be swingers. You both want to do it. It was a you know late seventies, early eighties. Just be swingers. Just turn turn that pineapple upside down. Would not have to die. What? What does that mean? (laughs) Thing I learned about at work. So, (laughs) so an an upside down pineapple means you're a swinger and you're willing to swing. So if you see that outside someone's house, that's what that means. It's like a little call sign. It's like a. Like Isn't a the, like hobo language for swingers. If you put the, you gotta have to bleep that out. <laughs> can't, can't, if you go can't to the beep. That. <laughs> That's all I think of when I think of pineapples. That's totally fair. Um, yes. If you want pina coladas and to be a swinger. If you want penis coladas. Penis colada. That's a good one. Nice. All right. Anyway, murder. <laughs> so sorry. Um, yeah, so everyone was just fucking everybody else. Um, so in 2016, Gamberg met with a counselor at the Reno Veterans Administration. Um, the anonymous counselor told him that in May 1981, Martin Smart had confessed to killing Sue and Tina Sharp. I killed the woman and her daughter, but I didn't have anything to do with the boys, uh, he reportedly told the counselor. So someone else just happened to murder them? That makes no Probably sense. Probably Boobidi. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Forgot about boobity. <laughs> Forgot about boobity. 
Uh, when the Department of Justice was alerted to this confession in 1981, they dismissed it as, quote, hearsay. DNA collected, <laughs> DNA um, wasn't a, wasn't starting to be collected at, at crime scenes until 1985. So all they had were, you know, the, the. Really sad Oklahoma was ahead of them on the uh, DNA collecting side of things. Yeah, I was really thrown off. Some investigators who picked up the case when it reopened in 2013 tie the slangs into an even larger plot. Uh, to Gamberg, it's clear that the Department of Justice and Thomas, the um, the sheriff at the time, uh, quote, covered it up is the way it sounds. He alleges that Bo and Martin, Bo is Boobity, and Martin fit into a larger drug smuggling scheme that involved the federal government. This is very... Um... <laughs> What's that show on Netflix <laughs> with the the drug dealers and the the family? The drug dealers and the family. They like live in a small town. Oh, the Ozarks. Yeah. Oh, it's giving me that. Oh yeah, I can see that. Uh, Martin was a known drug dealer, and Bo uh, was connected to Chicago crime syndicates with financial interests in drug distribution. So you know, there's a lot of theories that. There was conspiracy and pressure on the sheriff to cover this up because of their involvement with drug crime. That's so weird. I would think that would be more of a reason they would want to. Well, it just seems like they were looking at for different like they had gotten um, like the crime unit instead of homicide Mm. uh, from. like the FBI to come to uh, check out the case. Yeah. So it's like there was a lot that wasn't done because, you know, these people weren't trained to look for what actually right. happened. They were more concerned about, you know, the drug dealings and, you know, it, it could have had internal, um, you know, people working on it, people that had money on it, yeah. that, you know, crooked cops type yeah. of thing. Okay. Gamberg, um, when he was given the case, he did a lot of re-interviewing and trying to get DNA tested um, because he could see that the investigation was not handled well. Um, he said they had dropped the ball, quote unquote, and I put, quote unquote, a soup sandwich. <laughs> I think he said some a quote about something being a soup sandwich, and I didn't finish that sentence so i just want you to think about a soup sandwich like the sandwich has soup ingredients that make up the sandwich like it's it is ridiculous as a soup sandwich oh. i think i think that's a, a oh, little, like the a sandwich little. has soup on it <laughs> that, i mean that just sounds like panera that makes me kind of hungry yeah. <laughs> like a soup bowl and a bread yeah it's basically a soup sandwich honestly like a half and half. <laughs> so the California Department of Justice had immediately been given the case, but didn't follow through on leads. So that leads more to, you know, corruption and competence, things like that. This is an ACAP situation. Mm-hmm. All right. There were other suspects, Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool from Jacksonville, Florida, that were ruled out. I heard he's um, a tool. He's a t-o-o-l-e tool he's a he's a tool with an e (laughs) that's the worst kind 
Um, but they were ruled out as suspects as not being in the area when the crimes took place. They're like, I would have done it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gamberg is not willing to divulge specifics on whom they're watching, but new evidence had has apparently been giving them uh, solid leads as of 2018. Um, DNA had been recovered from a piece of tape at the crime scene matching a known living suspect. Um, so he says, quote, there are people locally who know, know more than they've said. And I believe we've identified some of them and we know who they are and we know where they are. And I have every confidence that they're either participated after the fact or they have firsthand information. It's obviously a worthwhile pursuit. There is not an expiration date on homicide. And to the extent that we have been sur surviving siblings and family members, it's our fundamental obligation to them to understand who did this and why. It's really sad. Mm -hmm. Just all around like. That it can be left up to like one small town uh, uh, police What's the word I'm looking for? Almost like, like police police office. Uh, just like the local local law enforcement. Yeah, that it can yeah. just be you know one group of incompetent people can. Well, and it looks the like they back. they did. There was incompetence every step of the way. Yeah. You know, like not following up on leads. Yeah, getting a not like having access to yeah. FBI resources and not yeah. getting a forensic yeah. uh, uh sketch artist. When when calling you incompetent is like the benefit of the doubt yeah because the alternative is that you're like corrupt corrupt like yes that says something yeah about about just the, well, and the way the whole thing was handled. and that you're willing to you know just brush it off and just be like yeah we kind of dropped the ball on that as he yeah. said um yeah it's it, it's very sad yeah um they Definitely, as far as I have seen, I don't think they have. They're they're not saying like who they have in mind. Yeah. Um. But they just said like we have a suspect who is living. Interesting. Who um, is not those two? Um. Yeah, I forgot to mention. Uh, Martin and Joe are dead now. <laughs> so not those two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it very well. It very well could be. Could be a, or a threesome. No. A, uh huh. A trio. <laughs> Got there. I was like, no, threesome sounds good. Oh yeah, there is another word for that. <laughs> bad. Yep, that is the Keddie Cabin murders. So it is unsolved. Damn. So we both had legally Suspects. unsolved. Yeah. Um, potentially multiple killers or mm -hmm. multiple accomplices. Yeah. Uh, there, I know there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More than I was expecting. Yeah. Wow. We're getting so good at this. Uh, very. <laughs> everyone's very uh, nice and ready to go finish up the summer by camping now. Everyone's comfortable. Yeah. Everyone's good. Good. We're going to go camp. We're going to camp in a cabin in the woods. Yeah. All right. I friends. hear everyone <laughs> going like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Woo, I love camping. <laughs> S'mores. S'mores. <laughs> Do we want to just talk for a, a, a quick a quick minute about some of some of what we have planned? Yes, very excited. We, dear listeners, as I've already alluded to many times, because I'm a narcissist. <laughs> he says with hands on his hips. Yes, 
pose. Um, <laughs> we'll be we'll be taking YouTube by storm. Um, YouTube content that is related mm-hmm. to this, but but less crimey, more less crime, more grime. Ooh, I like it. I just came up with that all on my own. Um, we have a, a lot of interesting topics that don't fit well for like this mm-hmm. format that that we want to kind of work with. So I'm excited for that. Me too. Um, other I than started research, mm-hmm. you know, here and there we'll have some some longer deep dives. So like I'll be going more into Camp Scott just because it's something that I think deserves more time devoted to it and a, yes. a more of a visual medium to really kind of bring everything together. Um, so it's exciting. I'm happy to be doing that. So be on the lookout for those. It is going to be about a month before you see us in the podcast feed again as we work on kind of our our spooky season. Yes. For Yuck the System. Ready for the spooky season. Ready for the spooks. Ready to just talk about all of the things. Real life. Spooky season starts September 1st. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hear anything from anyone else. Oh, yeah. I've already got my pumpkins out. I am a pumpkin. You are a pumpkin? Mm-hmm. We're pumpkin spicing? A lot of it has Already? dairy. Already? Is there not vegan pumpkin spice? Probably somewhere. Not the you want me to just get like a pumpkin spice like seasoning and just sprinkle it on you? Sure. Okay. Sounds lovely. <laughs> You're like, ah, my I'm ready to be <laughs> basic and spiced. <laughs> like all in one go. Spiced. <laughs> yes. I'm ready. Ah! So it was nice. In conclusion, mm-hmm. um, we will be reopening any opinions you may have on the podcast. We'll say for 48 hours this time. <laughs> you have 48 hours to give us constructive criticism before you go back to only giving us compliments. And then in the in the meantime, you know, ch- check out our catalog. We're very funny. Listen to our stuff if you haven't already. Honestly, if you're just starting on this, what are you doing? Get back there. Get get, get back, back there. there. Get you, back there. You start from the Listen beginning. Listen to, you know, Jacob bullying me from episode one to now. <laughs> it's been a long road. <laughs> I'm just excited we've gotten to 10 episodes. We did it. Yeah. So we, we said wanted. we were going to do it and we we did it. Damn goals, it. Goals, 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 goals. That was beautiful. A little breakdown. Thank you. You did well. You did amazing. No, you did amazing. You said I did well. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm just like, no, and this with me bullying you. <laughs> you did fine. Yeah, you did. Not my best work, but it's... <laughs> You've done better. No. Honestly. <laughs> Our pronunciation was on point this episode. We did so good. <laughs> All right. Goosey. Boobady. Boobity. Boobity. <laughs> I'm an expert in the English language. Yes. <laughs> That's all, just yes. <laughs> Mabel did great. Mabel did amazing. What a little trooper. She, uh, what happening? I said trooper. Like Girl Scout. Oh, Mabel. <laughs> Her ears are like, what? What has happened? Stop that. <laughs> Stop looking sad. <laughs> little baby. She's fine. She will not be a Girl Scout. No. She's too old. She'll be a... Okay, bye. She'll be a pup scout. (laughs) Pup scout. Oh, pup scout. Oh, pup scout. Okay. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) 